It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you are listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345 or 334-844-WEAGLE, and you can also find me on Instagram at Lock. Let's climb into the nest. Welcome into the Eagle's Nest. I'm your host, Daniel Locke, coming to you live from the Bradley Basin Studio and the Harold Mountain Student Center on the campus of Auburn University, where it is sunny and about 80 degrees outside. If at any point today you want to be part of the action, you can tweet at me at Daniel J. Locke or DM me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. I love October for one big reason, the sports equinox. October is the only month when every major sport is in full swing. Obviously, college football and NFL are going on, which is always very, very fun this time of year. The MLB postseason is almost to the league championship series, and the puck is dropped in NHL. For the first time on Tuesday night, we saw the debut of the Seattle Kraken, who played very competitively with the Las Vegas Golden Knights on Tuesday. They lost 4-3, to but, you know, you couldn't really expect much. And last, but certainly not least, the NBA tips off next week. It's a great time to be a sports fan, and we'll cover it all here today. This week in college football is fun. We saw a lot of crazy games and only a few not-so-great games. As always here on the Eagle's Nest, we like to get the uncomfortable games out of the way first. Our number 18 Auburn Tigers welcome the number 2 Georgia Bulldogs in the Jordan-Hare Stadium for the 126th edition of the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Auburn scored first with a 24-yard field goal from Juan Anders Carlson on their opening drive. Auburn also became the first team to score a touchdown on Georgia's defense with a 6-yard run by Tank Bigsby. Other than the defense coming up with some big stops, that's about it for the positives from Auburn. Smoke Monday was ejected for targeting, but it was the, it was in the first half, so he'll be able to play the whole game against Arkansas this Saturday. Auburn fought hard, they did their best, but Georgia came away with a 34-10 win. The Bulldogs are now number one in the country after a certain team who we discussed later lost. Auburn slipped out of the rankings, which I personally don't agree with, but I'm not going to get into that. College game day went down to Dallas this weekend for the Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. This game was insane. I did not get to see much of it, but I made a point of watching the highlights once I got home from Jordan-Hare. Texas had a 28-7 lead at the end of the first quarter. Oklahoma didn't back down even when they trailed by two scores at the start of the fourth. The Sooners scored 25 points in the final frame and capped off the action with a 33-yard touchdown run to put the game away in the final seconds. This game was so much fun to watch. The Red River rivalry always is. This year was no exception. I enjoyed it a lot. I personally think this top five matchup got snubbed for college game day, but oh well. The fourth-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions traveled um, to Iowa City to take on the third-ranked Hawkeyes. This is my favorite type of game, a good mixture of scoring and defense. The Nittany Lions, a team who I have a newfound appreciation for after my visit to Happy Valley, got off to a strong start as they ended the first quarter with a 14-3 lead. 
Sean Clifford went down with an injury, and Taquan Robertson stepped into the QB role for Penn State. Robertson did not respond well to the pressure as he went 7 for 20 for 34 yards and an interception. Iowa ended up getting it done 23 to 20. Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers traveled up to Lexington, Kentucky to take on the 16th-ranked Wildcats. LSU hung in there in the first half as Kentucky only led 14-0 at halftime. However, the Wildcats would run away with it in the second half, winning the game 41-21. The 17th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels hosted the 13th-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks at Vault-Hemingway Stadium in Oxford. This one felt like a matchup straight out of the Big 12. A lot, a lot of scoring. The final score of that game was 52-21, to which is absolutely insane. My personal favorite game of this week, the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveled up to College Station, Texas to take on the unranked Texas A&M Aggies. Bryce Young would throw would go 28 for 48 for 369 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Zach Calzada of the Texas A&M Aggies went 21 for 31 for 285 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Brian Robinson had 24 carries for 147 yards. Isaiah Spiller, 17 carries, 48 yards, and one touchdown. Very, very wild game as Texas A&M got it done 41-38. I don't think many people at all saw it coming. I know I certainly didn't. I It wasn't even on my radar at the beginning of the day. But, you know, that's, that's the beauty of college football. You never truly know what's going to happen. And it's just, it's a lot of fun when games are like that. The Boise State Broncos, formerly coached by Auburn's very own Brian Harson, went to play the number 10th ranked BYU Cougars, and they got it done, which is very surprising. BYU had four turnovers, while Boise State had none. BYU had 413 yards of total offense as compared to um, Boise State's 312. Both teams had 24 first downs, and Boise State had a slight advantage in time of possession. A very, very interesting game. I had fun watching this one, or the highlights of it later. The number 14th ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish went to play the unranked Virginia Tech Hokies at Lane Stadium, which is always a tough place to play. After Jack Cohen went down, Notre Dame's backup, who we do not have a name for, so sorry about that, went 6 for 14 for 113 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. Kyron Williams, 81 yards off of 19 carries and a touchdown. Kevin Austin Jr., 70 yards off of three receptions. Very, very fun, kind of fast-paced, slow-paced hybrid game, back and forth. Notre Dame gets it done late on a field goal and a missed field goal, excuse me. It was it was a good one. I enjoyed this game. The number ninth Michigan Wolverines traveled out to Nebraska to face the Nebraska Cornhuskers. 
this was a fun game to watch. Um, I enjoyed it. I always like seeing. I I I like seeing Nebraska lose. I I think it's my dislike for Scott Frost, but you know, very very fast paced for a Big Twelve game. Big Ten, excuse me, as Michigan had 459 yards compared to Nebraska's 431. Nebraska's two turnovers compared to Michigan's one turnover. Michigan had 26 first downs to Nebraska's 19. Very, very back and forth. And a late field goal um, by Moody lifted the number nine Wolverines past Nebraska. Another exciting game, the number 19th ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons traveled up to Syracuse, New York to take on the Syracuse Orange in the Carrier Dome. This was a very, very fast-paced overtime game. Wake Forest had 426 yards, Syracuse had 514. Both teams with one turnover. The Orange had 33 first downs and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons had 21. 79% 79% capacity in the Carrier Dome. That's, that's a little low for a game like this. I hope you could catch the sarcasm in that. I imagine that's a, a decent little amount there. Some more good football we had this week. The 22nd ranked Arizona State Sun Devils hosted the unranked Stanford Cardinal in a very, very kind of slow fast, slow at the beginning, then Arizona State picked it up. Arizona State took a 21-7 lead into the break. Stanford scored a field goal in the third quarter. Arizona State scored another touchdown to win the game 28-10. Arizona State had 430 yards, while Stanford had 369 Stanford had three turnovers to Arizona State's one. Arizona State had 21 first downs, while Stanford had 20. I always love Pac-12 after dark. It's I always try to make that part of my day. The number 20 Florida Gators hosted the Vanderbilt Commodores after a tough loss to Kentucky up at Commonwealth Stadium. The first time that Kentucky beat Florida at home since 1986, I believe. Please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Emory Jones went 14 for 22 for 273 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Vanderbilt's Kevin Seals went 22 for 43, 192 yards, and two touchdowns. Very, very... Bad day for Vanderbilt. Good bounce-back game for Florida. Wow. Florida had 479 yards to Vanderbilt's 287. Both teams had two turnovers. Vanderbilt had 18 first downs, while Florida also had 18 first downs. The number 11th-ranked Michigan State Spartans traveled up to New Jersey to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Michigan State had 588 yards, while Rutgers had 377. Michigan State with three turnovers to Rutgers is one. First downs close there, too. Michigan State had 20. Rutgers had 19. 
And the last game that we will recap from this past week in college football, Talia Tungavaloa, someone whose brother Alabama and Auburn fans alike know very well, he is the quarterback of the Maryland Terrapins now. They traveled to the Horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, to take on the mighty Buckeyes. And Ohio State got it done in convincing fashion, winning that game 66-17. to C.J. Stroud went 24 for 33 for 406 yards and five touchdowns. Talia Tungavaloa went 28 for 39 with 279 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. And the leading receiver of the game was Chris Olave for the Buckeyes. He had seven receptions, good for 120 yards and two touchdowns. This closes out the college football week six portion of the show. After the break, MLB postseason. You're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. Before your break, we discussed week six of college football. If you want to hear that, you can check out the podcast shortly after today's show. As always, if you want to be part of today's show, feel free to shoot me a tweet at Daniel J. Locke or DM me on Instagram at the Daniel Locke. The MLB postseason is in full swing. It's been very fun for me so far as someone who loves the Red Sox and the Braves. On the American League side, the Chicago White Sox were paired up with the Houston Astros. Houston got this one wrapped up in four games. The Astros took Game 1, 6-1. Houston also picked up Game 2, 9-4. Chicago played hard in Game 3, winning 12-6. I believe that the Astros got off to a 5 nothing lead, something like that, because I was texting with a good buddy of mine who I was going to the Braves game with the next day. And if, um, if Houston had wrapped up that series in the Game 3 on Sunday night, um, Game 3 in Atlanta on Sunday would have had its time pushed back because they wouldn't have needed the early window. But it's funny that the... Houston-Chicago um, game the ne- that next day got rained out anyway, so they didn't need that time slot anyway, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Unfortunately for the White Sox, they could not duplicate that success, dropping Game 4 by a score of 10-1, to and the Houston Astros clinched their fifth straight American League Championship Series appearance. My beloved Boston Red Sox met up with their American League East Division rival, the Tampa Bay Rays. Boston showed them a good time at Fenway, wrapping this one up in four. Game one was not very good for the Sox, as Tampa Bay dominated, winning that game 5 to nothing. Fortunately, they picked it back up in game two, winning 14-6. to Game three was an exciting 13-inning affair, which Boston got it done 6-4. to The Red Sox wrapped it up with a bow in Game 4 after another late scare. They pulled it out 6-5, clinching the American League Championship Series. Moving on to the National League side of things, the Atlanta Braves, another team I'm very fond of, played the Milwaukee Brewers. Game 1 wasn't so hot as the Braves dropped a close one to the Brewers 2-1. It was all up from there as the Braves took Game 2 on the road, 3-0. Game 3 was almost identical to Game 2 
as the Braves won 3 to nothing there as well. All three runs came off of a home run by the one and only Jock Peterson. I was at this game. It was my first time going to see a postseason baseball game, and it was so much fun. I hope to attend an NLCS game in Atlanta. We'll see if I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that. Game 4 was definitely the most exciting one as it went back and forth, but it was a launch by Freddie Freeman in the bottom of the 8th inning that put Atlanta over the top. Atlanta will face off against the winner of the other National League Division Series who is playing their final game tonight. There is only one game left in the divisional round. Game 5 between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants. This series has been by far the most competitive out of all the the divisional rounds this year. Game 1 was nothing too crazy as San Fran took it 4-0. LA won pretty easily in Game 2, taking out with 9-2. Game 3 was very old school feeling with the Giants taking it 1-0. Game 4 was another high scoring LA beatdown as the Dodgers won 7-2. Game 5 is on CBS tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time. Let's talk about this one for a little bit. It's very interesting. I have no clue who, which way I'm going yet because there was a pitching change made. It was originally supposed to be Julio Urias on the bump tonight for the Dodgers, but he was pulled. That news came out about an hour ago. I'm still not sure why, but it'll be Corey Nebel, a right-hander, Let's talk about this guy. So, um, in the postseason, three saves, 2.45 ERA. Oh, wait, I take this back. I'm so sorry. 2021 season, regular season, three saves, a 2.45 ERA, 30 strikeouts, and a .97 whip. He is a six foot three, two hundred twenty four pounder from Denton, Texas. Bats right, throws right. Twenty nine years old. His birthday is in a little over a month. But yeah, Denton. Denton's a big baseball city. A lot of guys in the MLB came from there. But getting back to Corey Neville. It'll be interesting to see what he can do. Um, He has been a reliever for most, I think, all of his um, run this 2021 season. So it makes me wonder if L.A. is planning on going with a bullpen day kind of game. But on the other side for the San Francisco Giants, you have Logan Webb. This year, a, a bona fide starter. He went 11 wins, 3 losses a 3.03 ERA, 158 strikeouts and a 1.1 whip. 6 foot 2, 220 pounds, bats right, throws right, 24-year-old out of Rockland, California. In the postseason, he has been in one game. He started that game 7.2 innings pitched. Five hits, no runs, no blocks, and 10 strikeouts. A very, very good showing. In the regular season, he appeared and he pitched in 27 games, started 26 of those, 148 and one third innings pitched, 128 hits, 
53 runs, 50 of those runs earned, 9 home runs, 36 walks, and 158 strikes. A solid, solid year for Logan Webb. Getting more into this game tonight. The spread is down 1.5 in favor of the Giants. The money line is down 115 for the Giants, up 105 for the Dodgers. The over-under is 7. And based off the trends we've seen so far in this NLDS, if the Dodgers win, you can expect it to be on the over. If the Giants win, you can expect it to be on the under because the two games that the Giants have won so far have been a lot closer and competitive. Four to nothing and one to nothing, respectively, in games one and game three. The Dodgers, not so much. The Dodgers won game two by a score of nine to two. Julio Urias was on the mound for that one. For the Dodgers, Kevin Gossman on the mound for the Giants. Julio went five innings, one earned run, five strikeouts, one walk. Kevin Gossman. Five and one third innings, four and runs, seven strikeouts, three walks. The other game that LA won convincingly, game four, they won seven to two. Joe Kelly was on the mound for the Dodgers. Point two innings pitched, no earned runs, no strikeouts, no walks. Adam DeScafani for the Giants. 1.2 innings pitched, two earned runs, two strikeouts. Not very good for either starter in that one. But tonight, you're going to need a lot from Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford if you're going to win for the Giants. Brandon Belt is their leader in home runs. He has hit 29. Brandon Crawford is their leader in batting average, hitting 298. Brandon Crawford, also their leader in RBIs with 90. For the Dodgers, Max Muncy is your leader in home runs at 36. Justin Turner is your leader in batting average at 278. And Max Muncy is also your leader in RBIs at 94. So it is very, very interesting to see what these teams will throw out there tonight. I'm honestly not sure which way I'm going. Um, I've been thinking about it all day. We discussed it this morning on Compact Discourse. You can find me on there from time to time. I love doing the show with Jack Hart. Very, very fun time always. Um, This morning you can hear me, Jack Hart, Davis Carroll, Alex Houston chime in on it, and Bay Marks. We talked about this one. This morning, I went with the San Francisco Giants to win, but I'm not sure if that's just because I would that's who I'd rather face see the Braves face or if that's actually who I feel is going to win. But, you know, you just, you'd never know. If Max Scherzer was on the mound tonight, I would be sh- I would for sure go with the Dodgers. But he pitched earlier in this series very well with a 1.59 ERA and 14 strikeouts. So it's a toss-up here tonight. I honestly don't know. But I'm going to make a pick. 
I said the Dodgers this morning. Uh, I, I, excuse me. Sorry. I said the Giants this morning. I'm going to stick with my gut. I think the Giants are going to get this one done, meaning that the National League Championship Series would be between the Atlanta Braves and the San Francisco Giants. This is a tough one, but I think that Atlanta would get that one done. I think it would take seven games. Um, the Giants would be the higher seed, so they would get games one, two, five, and seven at home. Atlanta would get games um, three, four, and six. So the fact that games five and seven would be played in San Francisco, arguably the two hardest games of any four-game series, make this a big challenge for the Braves. However, I do think that they are up to it. Um, I think that the Braves would be able to take Game 7 if they had to. I think they'll be hungry after last year's collapse against the Dodgers. But, yeah, I think the Braves get that one done. The other side is set, too. The Houston Astros will be facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Houston's the higher seed. They'll get home field advantage, meaning they'll get games 1, 2, 5, and 7 at Minute Maid Park. Jack Hartford to his the juice box this morning. And games 3, 4, and 6 will be played at Fenway. I think your keys to victory for the Boston Red Sox in that one are you're, you're going to have to take games 5 and 7, I think. But at least, well, obviously, if you're in a game 7, you would need game 7. But I think it's going to take, I think if you're the Red Sox, you need to pick one, you definitely need to pick up game one or two on the road in Houston at Minute Maid, get some momentum going back into Fenway, and hopefully winning it there. If If the Red Sox can pick up game one or two down in Houston, I think that they will win game six at Fenway. Um, if they can't, I think the Astros would win that one in seven games. So we will see how my predictions play out as the MLB postseason continues to go on. We're coming up on a break. When we come back, college football week seven. You're listening to the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. This is your host, Daniel Locke. So far today, we recapped college football week six, the MLB postseason. And if you missed any of that and want to hear it, the podcast will be up shortly after today's show. It is time to preview week seven in college football. This one is interesting to say the least. Um, On Tuesday night, Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns, beat the Appalachian State Mountaineers handily, handedly, winning that one 41-13. There are two games on tonight. The Navy midshipmen go to the Liberty Bowl in Memphis to play the Memphis Tigers. Tickets are $10 if you feel so inclined to go witness that one. Georgia Southern plays at South Alabama. I was... I was thinking about this one early in the week. I don't really have much going on tonight. I was going to travel down the Mobile, check out that new stadium, watch some football. But 
Then I remembered there's postseason baseball on tonight, so I will refrain from making a trip to Mobile. The Marshall Thundering Herd are playing the North Texas Mean Green. The unranked Clemson Tigers, that's going to take some getting used to, but not getting old, travel up to Syracuse, New York to play the Syracuse Orange at the Carrier Dome. That's a Friday night matchup. Man, Clemson. When's the last time you saw Clemson playing in a non-prime time Friday night game? I guarantee you it has been a while. The Cal Golden Bears travel to Autzen Stadium to take on the ninth-ranked Oregon Ducks. It'll be interesting to see how Oregon responds to their Pac-12 competitor coming in with the goal to upset them. It'll be nice to see some Pac-12 after dark on a Friday. Get a little bit extra of it this week. The 24th-ranked San Diego State goes to play the San Jose State. A little fun California matchup. That one is at 9.30 on Friday night. It's on the CBS Sports Network. Moving into Saturday, in the 11 a.m. window, the UCF Golden Knights, who I believe... They'll be wearing some awesome uniforms. We talked about those this morning on Compact Discourse. Listen to the podcast to get mine, Bay Marks, Jack Hart, Alex Houston, and Davis Carroll's take on those uniforms. They are a nod to um, how closely UCF was tied to the space race, and they are cool. But traveling up to play the number third-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats, it'll be... I don't see UCF coming away with that one. I'm sorry, all you Gus Malzahn fans out there. Uh, I can't imagine how many of them there are. Um, That number was always, you never knew what that number was when he was at Auburn. So, who knows. Moving on, the number 10 Michigan State Spartans travel down to Bloomington, Indiana to play the Indiana Hoosers. That one will be interesting. I'm sure I'm sure Michigan State gets that one done. The tw- Ooh, here's a good one. The 12th ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys travel to Austin to play the 25th ranked Texas Longhorns. The Longhorns coming off a bitter loss against their rival, the Oklahoma Sooners in the Red River Shootout. I'm not sure which way I'm going with this one. The spread is Texas is a four-point favorite. The money line is down 160 in favor of the Horns, up 160 in favor of the Cowboys. The over-under is 60. I know I'm taking the over on this one. I think that each team is definitely capable of scoring 40 or of scoring 30 points to make that happen. Anyone who regularly listens to the scoreboard knows I'm very, very up on Oklahoma State Cowboys quarterback Spencer Sanders. I think he is the man. I think he helps carry his boys to victory in this one. Give me Oklahoma State on the over. Moving on. A matchup up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Our beloved Auburn Tigers traveling up to take on unranked Auburn Tigers traveling up to Fayetteville to take on the 17th ranked Arkansas Razorbacks. 
I am not sure how I feel about this one. Auburn is a four and a half point underdog. The money line is up 170 in favor of Auburn, down 200 in favor of Arkansas. The over under, wow, the over under is 54. I don't know how, if Auburn wins this one, it'll definitely be on the under. That will not be an overly high-scoring game. I think if Auburn wins, it's it's going to require the defense to make some stops, which I, I, I believe that if they play, if our defense can get as many stops against Arkansas as they did against Georgia, I don't think they will have too much to worry about. Um, but if not, ugh, you, you never know. Um... I really don't want Auburn to go up to Fayetteville and absolutely get blown out, which I think is what the case would be if Arkansas wins on the over. But, you know, crazier things have happened. Both teams are 4-2. and two. Um, You just never really know. But I'm going to be a homer. I think I'm going to go with Auburn. You know, Bo Nix really hasn't been that bad this year. Contrary to popular belief, it's it's not you can't blame him for the receivers not catching a ball thrown straight at their chest, and that that's all I'm going to say about that one. Another SEC matchup against in the 11 o'clock window, the 20th ranked Florida Gators are traveling down to Baton Rouge to take on the unranked LSU Tigers, where me and many other Auburn fans were two weeks ago. I had a great time. It was a great win. I bet Florida fans hope for the same. LSU is an 11.5 point underdog at home. I can't imagine it's been very recent since last time they were a double-digit underdog, a two-score underdog at home in Death Valley. It being at 11 a.m. definitely doesn't help, but Emory Jones... So far this year, 107 for 157, 1144 yards, nine touchdowns, seven interceptions. Miles, Max Johnson, sorry, I think Miles Brennan. Max Johnson for the LSU Tigers has gone 135 for 219, 1730 yards, 17 touchdowns, four interceptions. I think that it'll be. I think the LSU will win on the defensive side of the ball for sure, but it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Also in the 11 o'clock window, on the SEC Network, moving on to Columbia, Missouri, the Missouri Tigers will be hosting the Texas A&M Aggies, who have to be 100% high on life right now. They are an 8.5-point favorite to win this week, Texas A&M is. The money line is down 350 in their favor, up 280 in the favor of the Missouri Tigers. Over under 59 and a half. I'm going to take the under on a Texas A&M victory. I think that Zach Calzada and Isaiah Spiller lead this Aggies offense to a good margin victory. However, I don't see them. I don't see. Missouri scoring more than about 20, 21 at the most. And I don't know if Texas A&M scores 40. But I do think Texas A&M gets the win. 
on the under. Number 10th ranked BYU, excuse me, number 19th ranked BYU. I had the week six rankings up, my bad. They play the Baylor Bears, who are 5-1 and one and who I've seen a lot of arguments for should be ranked. Baylor is a six-point underdog. I mean, excuse me, geez, a six-point favorite this week at in Waco. The money line is down 230 in their favor, up 190 in the favor of BYU. The over/under is 50. Uh, I've got to go with I've got to go with Baylor. I think they get it done at home. I think they get it done on the over and. That that's gonna be a that's gonna be a barn burner. I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing some of that one. Your two thirty CBS game, the eleventh ranked Kentucky Wildcats go down to Athens to take on the number one ranked George Bulldogs between the hedges at Sanford Stadium. Wow. Georgia is a twenty two and a half point favorite. I would be interested to know the last time the number 11th ranked team in the country has been this large of an underdog. The money line is down 2,400 in favor of Georgia, up 1,100 in favor of Kentucky. The over-under is 44.5. I think that Georgia wins on the under. I think that it'll be similar to the Arkansas game where I believe that Georgia will put up about... 35, 38, somewhere in that range. Um, I think Kentucky may score three. They might score seven. Definitely between three and seven. So either have two field goals or one touchdown. But I think I would be, I'm pretty confident that that's all that Georgia is going to give up. Moving on. Alabama, who is now number five after getting knocked off by Texas A&M, travels down to Starkville, Mississippi to take on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. ESPN's FPI predictor is giving Alabama an 82% chance of winning. They are a 17-point favorite. Money line down 900 in their favor, up 600 in the favor of Mississippi State. The over-under is 575 um, instead of trying to make some crazy case on how Mississippi State can get it done, I'm just going to say I'm going with Alabama. I think that Nick Saban is going to get them right after that embarrassing loss last week. The last game that we're going to talk about here today in the Week 7 of college football portion of the show the 13th-ranked Ole Miss Rebels coming off a big win at home against the Arkansas Razorbacks are traveling to Knoxville, Tennessee to take on the Tennessee Volunteers at Neyland Stadium. ESPN's match predictor is giving Tennessee a 53.8% chance to win. The spread is down 2.5 in the favor of Ole Miss and... Money lines down 140 in Ole Miss's favor, up 120 in Tennessee's. The over-under is 83. Very, very interesting. It's not that often that you see ESPN's matchup predictor predict something different than what the spread says. 
So, I don't know. Um, I think Matt Corral is going to have a good day. So far on the year, 101 for 146, 140, 1,497 yards, 12 touchdowns. I think that he comes in. I think that he has a day. I think that Ole Miss gets this one done at Neyland Stadium. That is all the time we have today for week seven, week, yeah, week seven of college football. When we come back, NFL talk here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. So far today, we have talked about week six in college football, the MLB postseason, and then week seven in college football. We are going to close the show out today by talking about week six in the NFL. I have a very special treat for you all. I'm joined by my good friend, Dylan Lark. He has a show here on Weagle Wednesdays at noon called Tank Talks Football. Dylan, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good. I had my one of my classes get canceled today, so. Hey, that's okay. always a plus. You ready to talk some NFL? Yep. Let's get into it. So tonight on Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Philadelphia Eagles, which way are you going? I think it's a pretty easy choice. I mean, Philadelphia did just beat my Carolina Panthers last week, but Tampa Bay's on a tear right now, so it's Real easy choice. Yeah, I'm rocking with I'm rocking with Tom Brady too, unfortunately. So the London game, Miami Dolphins, Jacksonville Jaguars, eight thirty AM Central Time, Sunday morning on CBS. Dylan, your pick? Uh I like how they, they always choose the worst games to put on in London right now. Right. Uh, I, I forgot it was like Falcons Jets last week. Jacksonville right now is winless. And Miami is looking very overrated from what they were at the beginning of the season. I I think there's a chance Jacksonville gets a win here. I do too. It is actually they they're playing at um um Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. This is new information to me, but did you know that the Jaguars have a huge fan base in London? I had no idea. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter earlier. Like there are people already out there tailgating. And it's That's the, really funny. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> like they can have them as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So, moving in to the next window on Sunday, Los Angeles Chargers, Baltimore Ravens. I'm going with the Ravens. What about you? Uh, oof, that's a good game. <laughs> uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go with the Ravens. I think they have a better defense than the Chargers do, and I think they're going to be able to get more stops. I could see this being a shootout, though. Oh, yeah. I, I think it'll be wild. So, Minnesota, your Panthers, which way are we going? You know, I think Minnesota's favored to win this game by, I think, a point. And I know my Panthers are without Christian McCaffrey, but Minnesota always finds a way to lose games, so I'm going to stick with my Panthers. I got you. Good, good perspective. Green Bay, Chicago, you know, Aaron Rodgers, he's been looking pretty good. How you feeling? Uh, this is one of the best rivalries in the NFL. Uh, but Chicago is playing pretty well right now with Justin Fields at quarterback, but I think the Packers are going to edge him out here. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs, Washington football team. I'm going with Washington. This is a battle of the overrated teams, in all honesty. So I'm, I'm also going to go with the football team, but I, I really want the Chiefs to turn it around. Yeah, I do too. 
Los Angeles Rams versus Danny Dimes, Saquon Barkley, and the New York Giants. Who, so as a Saints fan, I can tell you not to be taken for granted. <laughs> uh, are are Danny are Danny Dimes and Saquon gonna be playing in this game, or are they still injured? Oh, hmm, I hadn't seen anything. Like maybe they got hurt last week. Both the of them? Yeah, they both did. Wow. What an unfortunate turn of events. Yeah, even if they were playing, I'm still going to go with the Rams. Yeah, it doesn't really change my pick either. I'm just salty. Houston Texans, Indianapolis Colts. What what a dumpster fire. Um, I'm feeling the Colts at home. Oh, without a doubt the Colts. I picked the Colts no matter where they were playing. I don't trust Houston to win games right now. Indianapolis has their defense back to where where they need to be. They just need to finish out games, which they've not been able to do thus far. Yeah. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase going to the Motor City to take on the very lowly Lions. I'm, I've got a rock with the 2019 Heisman Trophy winner. What about you? I'm going to go with the Bengals as well, but I would love to see Detroit finally win a game. They have does, they are, have earned to win a game now. I feel so sorry for them. Like, I've never felt this bad for a team in my life. I think they've lost two games this season, 19-17. to 17. Ooh, man. That's that's a tough break. Oh, yeah. All right, Arizona Cardinals, the last win, la, uh, the last team in the NFL to be undefeated, versus the Cleveland Browns. I'm gonna go with the upset here. I'm going with the Browns. I said on my show yesterday, Kyler Murray is my MVP pick. I'm gonna stick with Arizona, especially because if they're gonna lose a game, I want it to be in Week Ten to my Panthers. I got you. Good take. Good take. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, they have a touchy subject. Yeah, I think I'm just going to avoid the John Gruden conversation. Denver Broncos, who were probably the worst 3-0 and team we've ever seen. Would you agree? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers last year make a good good uh, argument for that. Corvette, Corvette. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going with the Raiders despite... Everything else, I think that they somehow rise above it and get it done. Derek Carr's a good leader. I'm going to actually go with the Broncos here. You, losing a coach is a big uh, – affects morale hugely for a team. I think Denver's going to take advantage of that, even though I don't think Denver's the better team. But i got to go with the Broncos here. I respect it. So, America's Game of the Week – Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots, 325 on CBS. I am going to go with Billy Belichick at home. I'm going with New England. What about you? I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I think they've been playing hot right now. I think Zeke is back on uh, back on track to be one of the better running backs in the NFL now. Dak is, of course, playing like Dak. I think the Cowboys are just a better team overall. Okay. Seattle Seahawks, Pittsburgh Steelers, Sunday Night Football. Give me Russell Wilson. Give me the Seahawks. Uh, actually, Russell Wilson will not be playing this game. He is out for a few weeks. Man, what is up with me today? <laughs> this is Geno Smith's Seattle Seahawks. Man, I am out of the loop. Yeah. G- give me the Steelers on that note. Jeez. Hi. Uh, I... I'm going to spend another show this week talking or joking about Harrison, Mr. Harrison Tarr, host of the TNT in the Morning show that is tomorrow at 11 a.m. I'm going to pick Geno Smith to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, bold. Here's a big one. Monday Night Football, Buffalo Bills 4-1, and 
travel down to Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, to take on the three and two Titans. Derrick Henry, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill. Where are you going? Uh, even though this game is in Nashville, I have a lot of friends that have that grew up in Nashville, but Buffalo is too good right now. I think Josh Allen's going to tear up that lackluster defense, especially with Stephon Diggs and Zach Moss playing out of their mind. Tennessee, they have Derrick Henry, yes, but overall their defense is just going to lose in this game. Yeah, I agree with that take. Very unfortunate. I have a lot of friends who are big Titans fans too, but you know, I try to not be a homer. It often doesn't work out for me. But I do believe that Buffalo gets this one done. Thank you all so much for tuning into the Eagles Nest today. Thank you for Dylan for taking your time out of your day to come on. We had a great conversation today about the NFL. If you missed any of today's action and want to hear it, the podcast will be up shortly. You can follow me on Instagram at the Daniel Locke. Once again, thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And War Eagle. You've been listening to The Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. Be sure to tune in next Thursday at 3 o'clock for more sports action on the Plains. As always, if you miss out, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. Until next time, have a great day and we're Eagle.